Hello friends, welcome to the software world, I'm Can Dost. Here I'm on a mission to make connections between the software industry and our individual and unique lives. We all have a common goal of solving problems with software. Whatever happens on our journeys will not stay mysterious anymore. Welcome to the another episode of Software World with Can Dost and today my guest is Benedicte Rae. Benedicte lives in Oslo, Norway with uh, her family and they are together with the family they formed the Lily Labs which is the company behind the POW app. POW is a privacy first menstrual cycle journal and Benedicte herself has 20 plus years of coding experience and she's working as a contractor besides POW app. They launched the POW app in International Women's Day in March 8, 2020, last year. And I was really curious about hearing how the privacy-first approach is possible in a health app and all the journey they have been in with her family. As a family, they are doing amazing things. And I watched a couple of live stream recordings uh, and then seeing all the energy from Benedicta and her family is, is an amazing thing. And during this talk, we talked about mostly being an indie hacker and how to navigate the life as an indie hacker. We talked about the Power App, we talked about the YouTube, we talked about how the privacy first approach is possible. And through the end, you will hear some suggestions from Benedicte if you are thinking to develop your own app. I really have a lot of respect for the people who develop their apps on the side as an indie hacker or indie developer. And the amazing energy of Benedicte was really enjoyable and I I loved a lot and you will hear that through the uh, episode. I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you do too. Welcome Benedicte. I'm really glad that you are here um, being in this in Software World show with me, which I'm pretty excited because you are the first indie hacker slash developer that you are here that I have as a guest. And I'm I'm really glad that you're here. Welcome. Thank you. It's uh, good to be here. It's nice to be asked to talk about your side projects and indie hacking. Yeah, it's I, I guess it's like whatever you work on, it should be uh, exciting, like as an as an side project or your as an indie hacker. Definitely, always nice when people are interested. <laughs> <laughs> it can get lonely at times. You're sitting there and you don't hear from your customers, and you're like, okay, okay, I don't know if this is good or bad. <laughs> it's nice when people are interested. You know. Yeah. Then how do you keep this like the mood? I mean, because I see from your videos and from like all of the things that I follow you, you have a very good like high level of energy. And then like being an indie developer, developing your own app, and then as you said, you don't hear from your customers a lot. How do you keep up with this energy? Like maybe I don't know. How are you so energetic? That's like my curiosity. <laughs> well, that's going to be a hard question. Uh, part of it is just born that way, I guess. But I also think the reason I started with those updates on video, I started with edited videos and my energy was kind of okay. But then I moved into live streaming 
which just mm-hmm. suits my personality a lot more. And whenever you have to do or I need to prepare for these monthly status updates, as I call them, I kind of have to like actually look through what I've done, look through the numbers and like look through everything. And whenever I do that, there's always things I've already forgotten. Only Even if it's just been a month, you know, if something yeah. happened at the beginning of the month and then at the end of the month, it's like, oh, I haven't done anything or, you know, nobody likes this product or, <laughs> you know, you can get these moods or at least I can. Also, the reason why I'm making a, a menstrual cycle journal, though, because those things are connected. But mm-hmm. um, then I kind of have to go through and then remind myself actually every month about what I've managed to accomplish or, you know, sometimes what I didn't manage to accomplish, but then when I have to kind of explain that to somebody else, you know, that unknown mm-hmm. somebody that is yeah. hopefully going in to look at my videos, uh, I kind of end up like with a pep talk uh, somehow, which is, which is like, it's nice. So every month I get that, oh, I actually, you know, did something, I accomplished something. And sometimes looking at the numbers, like the last one for March, um, we suddenly had eight new uh, customers or users, which was like, oh, I, I didn't hadn't really realized that we had gotten that many uh, in like all of the funness of celebrating um, Pau's one year birthday, as we called it. But mm-hmm. and then I was uh, very surprised. But then this time it will probably be I don't know as energetic because I'm looking at the numbers <laughs> from April and there are zero new customers. <laughs> so, um, but it goes up and down. And I think that all yeah. of that, all of the fun stuff we managed to have happening in March online kind of drove some sales. So that's kind of a teaching moment for me that when I actually talk about it and actually try to kind of not really sell, but when I like tell people that my product exists, I do get new customers. So I guess the, you know, um, something I need to work on is being consistent in that uh, marketing so that people actually hear about the product and sign up for the product and pay for the product and all that. I, I, I do the same actually, like this, yeah. especially with your monthly updates, I have a newsletter and I have, I do it monthly. I, I, I freaking love writing that newsletter, by the way, every mm-hmm. month. Um, and part of me says, come on, do it every week. Why don't you do it every week? Because it's so fun. But mm-hmm. I, I just like try to like limit myself on that saying, that, okay, just calm down. And then that's the, that's the new setter that you are using to keep uh, sane, mm-hmm. uh, keep your sanity. And then like I, when I write it, I say, oh, okay, yeah, that's what I accomplished because I have this exact same feeling that I did nothing for a whole month. And then you look back at your commits and your exactly. uh, communication with people. And you're like, yes, I actually did a lot. I think a month is good for that because usually in a month you've accomplished something. While in a week, like at least I can have weeks where I haven't accomplished <laughs> Same so here. much. Yeah, of course. Uh, but like within a month, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a good time, time span to like look back. And I'm really bad at doing these things only for myself. So if I like with my status updates, kind of I don't know how many people actually like sit and wait on you know wait for it to come mm-hmm. out uh, <laughs> but like at least I've you know I've said it uh, that it will come out every uh, eighth or the eighth of every month and that keeps me accountable to do that and then I kind of get to review the status and and kind of review review my goals and all of those things that I'm not the person that would just sit down and do that one night kind of just for myself even though that's good mm-hmm. so I need that kind of outside accountability and I make sure that I 
do something that gives me that kind of outside accountability. You know, the whole, I'm too old mm -hmm. to think that I will change. So I'm just going <laughs> to stick to what works for me um, and create that outside, outside ex um, expectation that I need to actually sit down and go through and give myself that pep talk um, every month. Yeah, I... I exactly have this similar idea, but I want to go a little bit like I want to roll back from yes. all of this, and I want to. I'm curious. People might not about, know what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I want to roll back and then see like how did you start creating Poe app, and how did you decide to become an indie actually? Because like I know, and most probably people. Uh, will know after this show or maybe they can follow you uh, after this show they will find the links in the description but you also have a like a job uh, I mean it's like the I don't know how like a contractual job maybe full-time mm -hmm. but you have an app and how did you decide to start this journey actually yes we can start with um so what is POW? It's the Privacy First Menstrual Cycle Journal. I need to work on that tagline. It's a mouthful. But um, so it's the privacy first way of tracking your menstrual cycle. Um, and it came about two years ago after I kind of had spent some years not doing, doing that much kind of outwards activity. I'd been focusing on client work and raising a child. <laughs> and then I was thinking about kind of getting back into the groove of going to meetups and, and those kinds of things. And I, I went to something called um, Global Diversity CF, CFP Day. So CFP mm -hmm. is called for proposals. It's what you send mm -hmm. in to be accepted as a speaker at conferences. And it was, um, it was a meetup where we were taught like how to do that and a way to get a more diverse group of people speaking at tech conferences. So mm -hmm. me and the intern, as I call her, my daughter, uh, went to that. And then we learned there like different ways of coming up with ideas. So at the time I had some Gatsby ideas. I wanted to, you know, do something around kind of Gatsby tech. I didn't really know. But then I think it was a week after the Wall Street Journal came out with this report that most of the health apps that you find in the app store collect all of your health data and shares it with third parties. There are like some some pretty kind of uh, awful scenarios where one app um, is shared the data back to your employer. Uh, another app wow. shares the data to, yeah, because in America, then they get the app through kind of their company, but they don't really know that the app then shares the data with the employer. Um, and then there's another, like one of the most popular apps was found to share event data with Facebook, which means that you can then get, uh, you know, ads targeted to where you are in your cycle or whether or not you're trying to, you know, to conceive and those kinds of things. And it got me thinking, you know, would it be possible to make a more private app like this? And that ended up being kind of my talk proposal, because one of the things we learned is something you can make a talk on is something you want to figure out, and then you can create a talk proposal, and then if it's accepted, you have to figure it out, or you have to research yeah, it. Yeah, true. So again, that outside <laughs> accountability, but so I ended up uh, writing a talk proposal that was called a privacy first, I think a privacy first menstrual tracker, is it even possible? And I had some kind of things I wanted to hit, like, I want it to be impossible for me as a developer to read or access the user's data. I want it to be accessible on multiple of devices. 
and yeah, some other things. And I started researching that and it ended up being a talk on end-to-end encryption, which is kind of the solution to this uh, question I posed. Uh, and I did that. I was accepted to four conferences. So the fall of 2019, I guess it was, I uh, ended up doing this talk at four conferences. But during the time I was... Um, procrastinating making the slides which is always my kind of <laughs> last thing I do uh, I found this opportunity to be part of a competition where um, yeah this competition for privacy um, privacy apps and I ended up joining that and I kind of created the prototype of POW as while I was procrastinating creating creating the <laughs> talk or creating the slides um, and it turned out it was possible you know and I created that um and I created that uh, prototype. And then at that time, kind of that article that was in the Wall Street Journal was did the rounds in Norwegian newspapers. So the Norwegian kind of Financial Times did, did almost the same article, you know, that these health apps are um, sharing your data and what do we think about that? And they interviewed different women in Norway. And then I emailed the... Um, reporter and I said, hey, I, I'm making an app that solves this where everything is end-to-end encrypted and totally private. And at the end of the interview, and then she called me back and at the end of the interview, she, she asked me, so when are you launching? And I said, March 8th, International Women's Day. Uh, and that's what I did. Uh, so I launched POW then on March 8th, 2020, a little over a year ago um, on International Women's Day. And that was three days before lockdown in Norway. So it was kind of, we went out with a bang. We had like a big party and our big brunch. And, um, yeah, it was an awesome day where we launched POW. And I would say we launched what I would call a minimal viable product. Like it it wasn't complete in any sense and it still isn't Mm -hmm. complete in any sense. But then again, when is software ever complete? (laughs) But we, you know, we delivered or we launched something that, um, usable you can track your cycle uh, and you do it in more of a journal format because it turns out that when everything is completely private and end-to-end encrypted i have no access to this on the back end then the data doesn't have to be as structured as these other um, applications do like they will ask you very intimate details about um, symptoms and moods and those kinds of things and i've always felt that they're kind of invasive also in a way and I mean, the idea of an app like this has been in my mind since, I guess, university, which is like 15 years ago, 10 years, 13 years ago. Well, long time ago. <laughs> but there were like so many apps. So when that article hit from the Wall Street Journal, I was like, but what? How could we make it private? Like, that's how it got my kind of creative uh, juices going. But so um, back to that, like, I've always felt they were kind of invasive and I didn't really want to answer all those questions. Like, I wanted to follow the things that I cared about, not what the app cared about. And since I don't access this on the back end. I can't really use it for any like big data mining or sharing it with Facebook or anything like that. I can give the user a much more kind of journaling approach where they just write however they're feeling more like a diary entry. And then they hashtag, like you would hashtag on Twitter or Instagram, the words that they want to keep a closer eye on. And then I predict those kind of tags in the future. And this spring, we're also going to make some visualizations where you can then kind of analyze uh, your cycle yourself. So it's not kind of any AI or anything like that, but you will see a visual representation of the tags you select. And then you can kind of try to make up your own mind and get to know your own cycle in your own way instead of relying on kind of the, the app to do that and the app to run 
like big data learning on on your symptoms. So um, it's a novel approach, and because it's private, is also giving us like a different take on the UI since we we don't really need that structured data because we can't use it for anything. The, yeah, that was that like... was a long. That was a long. <laughs> no, it was a... questions. <laughs> no, 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 no. It all good, all good. I, the, even, actually, like you answered the, like, the next two questions of mine, yeah. which is which is which is great. <laughs> no, but like um, I, I'm I'm more curious about like because you say you said that a the privacy approach, privacy first approach, uh, actually enabled you to create more freedom, as far as I understood on the technical side so the the privacy thing it gives me the opportunity to create a completely different ui because i don't my premise is not that i will analyze this data in a like a big data yes. ai kind of way because i will never be able to be as accurate as the other app apps because they will then mm -hmm. run you know analyzes on all their users because they have access to that on the back end yes. and and but i since it's all end-to-end -end encrypted i i never have access to this then I can't give my users kind of that benefit, but I can then give them the benefit of customizing this a lot more to their own usage be because um, I don't need that structured kind of very detailed thing. So you can use your own words. So for instance, myself, I have this mood, I call it Molofunk. It's a it's an old Norwegian word that I don't really know exactly what means, but I know what it means to me. So whenever mm -hmm. I have that mood, I can log it as Molofunk. While when I was using these other apps, it was like, I didn't, it's like a mix between like anxious, maybe depressed, uh, sad, like, I, and I never remembered what I'd logged it as. But now that I can use my own word, then it's easier for me to log my cycle. And I'm thinking also then for um, people who are not native English speakers, like they can then use their own words and their own language when they are logging their cycles instead of being kind of put into the mold or the box of the um, of the app, so I think that's like an. A, I at least you know see that mm -hmm. as a benefit in addition to the privacy aspect of our app, that you can you can feel more kind of it's your own private thing, your own private language, instead of instead of fitting it into, you know, am I one of these like faces that you mm -hmm. have to select or <laughs> uh, or like you know exactly how much are you bleeding like and then you have to yeah. select between five different. Uh, ways of describing that you can then just use kind of your own um your own term term terminology yeah it's like also uh, putting a word into the feelings is tough so that's i think that would be that your approach sound to me more like a beneficial because like i i speak english but it's not my mother tongue and most mm -hmm. of the apps if i log any uh, journal log into any journal with some predefined uh, mm -hmm. conditions then it will be hard for me to to use these apps because my my native language is turkish mm -hmm. but it will never be support like most often it doesn't support turkish language no, exactly and i'm most, norwegian most like nobody like we're yeah. five million people it's like never yeah. <laughs> translated into norwegian <laughs> yeah exactly so, yeah so it's very true and also different cultures have different like ranges of emotions and ways mm -hmm. to talk about emotions so exactly. it's, it's hard to fit into often like the american context of how they describe their emotions um or their symptoms because like physical yeah. symptoms also it's not something we learn you know in school it's not it's usually not the english we learn like it's more of the exactly. conversational english or the business english not like 
you know, menstrual cycle terminology English. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's a benefit uh, in addition to the privacy aspect, but they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, And I think also if you look at the other privacy uh, products coming up now, like privacy uh, friendly or focused or first analytics, they often also kind of give that they're simpler because they they um, collect less data, but then they manage to make that kind of simpler as a benefit for the user because then it will be easier for them to look at the analytics because Mm -hmm. there's like less stuff there. It's like the most important stuff. Um, So it's interesting to see that that many of kind of the privacy focused products hand in hand with that, you get some things that, that you can turn into benefit in addition to the privacy part. But you also asked, I think, why it's indie. I had that question through. Why so, indie? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is not like my first side project. Um, I found it really hard over the years to call myself a founder because I mostly, the money I've made over the last, I graduated um, from computer science major uh, or master of computer science in 2009. And then I spent a year as a consultant. And after that, I... I started my own company or I've been independent or freelance or contracting or whatever you want to call it since then. And I've had many side projects and some have made me a lot of, you know, a lot of money. Some have made me no no money. And and mostly I've done them for like learning and fun and experience and just like the joy of creating. But other people have been like, oh, you're one of those founders. And I'm like, I'm not really a founder. I'm more of a creator. Like I feel more connection to people who paint or like make things just mm-hmm. because they want to make things than kind of the Silicon Valley founder unicorn kind of uh, startup narrative. Um, so I always found that hard when people like call me a founder and entrepreneur because I haven't really felt like that type. Uh, but now with POW, I'm actually starting to call myself a founder because I found something that I think I want to keep doing or have as a side project for the next 10 years. And I wanted to succeed because uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to be out there in the world. <laughs> and if it's going to be out there in the world for years and years, it needs to also, um, you know, make money. Uh, but I'm not interested in that kind of funding, going big, you know, working mm-hmm. 80 hours a week, that kind of way of, of living. So it's a very like conscious decision to, to make it um, in the application and, and during those 10 years, like what I've always done, then got a name in the hacking, uh, which is which is interesting. Um, and so then I kind of just put that in my like title, I guess, in the hacker. Because then, <laughs> <laughs> then it's a term, at least some people know what it means. Yes, um, true. Yeah. But I say so I want to keep it as a side uh, side thing, like or a part something I do part time, but part time for a really long time, because I've found that mm-hmm. that really works for me the one the times i've tried to do kind of one of these side projects full-time um i get a little bit bored uh i always always or or a little bit more stressed like need things need to happen Mm. a lot faster um but splitting my time now so it's been a lot of experimenting over the last 10 years but now i really feel like i found the the perfect match where i do about 50 percent of the year contracting and contracting at I've done all kinds of contracting, but the contracting that is sticking with me is kind of what we would look at as really boring contracting. Like I show up, I do my, you know, uh, issues. Um, I, but they're really interesting tech wise, but they're in big organization where things takes a lot of time, which I never would have been able to 
you know, I would never be able to work there full time because things, you know, move too slowly. But since I do that about 50% of the time, and then 50% of the time I do my side project and then a little bit of other fun things, then together it like gives me um, kind of the everyday life that I would like. Uh, so I feel like I've really found that a good kind of trade-off between the different ways of working. It's like a part-time, being a part-time creator on the side. Yeah. That's, I think I, I, I heard this term uh, like somewhere on the internet. I'm not really sure who, who said that, but that's, that's, that's a nice call. And I want to a bit, I'm curious on the side that like the, how are the, um, numbers actually, because so you have a, you have a freelancing or the a job that brings money. We call it contracting because uh, contracting pays more than freelancing. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a tip for everyone out there: never call yourself a freelancer because people think they can get you for cheap. If you call yourself uh, a contractor, then it's like proper business, and you're not like you can get demand higher rates. <laughs> okay, I I learned something today, yeah. and I'm gonna go and change my uh, naming, like my title on the website. My yes, do my that. Website. <laughs> <laughs> so people won't uh, like won't say that the coming that you are too expensive, etc. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, good to know. Thanks a lot. Um, but I'm curious about like the growth side. So my curiosity lies in the process of becoming making this uh, app for 10 years. Mm -hmm. This is like a good commitment. And in these days, actually, I'm more focused on the long-term goals of mine. It's not mm -hmm. goals, actually. I've, I try to focus on the processes mm -hmm. and instead of having some specific goals for a really short time. And that's why I'm like more interested in the numbers and how do you stay alive with this work? Does it pay itself? The all the Not maybe the effort, but the, the money you spend on it, does it pay mm -hmm. itself and how the uh, finance look like? Yeah, so now we have about 50, uh, 50 active customers, um, and it's $45 a year. Uh, and so, and then we have some people that have quit. I just looked at the numbers. I think we're like two and a half, it would be two and a half thousand euros, I guess, in net profit or net mm -hmm. sales. I guess not profit because I worked a lot on this product. <laughs> But that's that's what we've made. And I'm just about to spend all that money on getting some dev uh, help uh, this spring. So uh, in that regard, it's like zero. Uh, but the, like, the privilege that I have being in Oslo, Norway, is that the hourly rate of contracting is really high. So working 50% of the time, on contracts gives me what I need or our family needs to live kind of our everyday expenses, a pretty like decent uh, living. So the other time I spend it, I see it more as we were talking about as like a hobby or as a creator, as you said, I have friends who are painters and they do their work and then they go paint, you know, uh, and they don't talk yeah. about like, Oh, my paint is costing me money. So I'm going to stop doing it because they yeah, have to create. <laughs> yeah. So I see it more like that's, I spend, you know, that other part or that, um, yeah, that time that I have beside project, I spend that on, on coding and marketing, but obviously I hope within these 10 years that, um, how would at some point be where I kind of get back the time that I put into it at some mm -hmm. point. Uh, but then again, I'm not really sure how much time I put into it because I'm re not really that good at tracking my hours when it's not for the contracting work. But, <laughs> uh, but I feel a lot more about like the energy. So I would like to have kind of the same, um, 
income or like ha- at least like half of the income I get from contracting coming from POW at some point. But right now, uh, as you said, like I focus more on doing the work and, and finding a way to market and finding a way to be consistent with the development. And I see that uh, at this point, like I've gotten to a point where I'm like second guessing myself too much when it comes to the coding somehow, because it's my own product. I don't have these feelings as much at the contracting gig. So I thought, okay, I need to get on board. I need another senior developer on board to just like help me get past my own like questioning and, and analysis mm-hmm. paralysis or, or, you know, what it's called. So, so now I'm investing some money in that. And I'm also investing some money in getting help to write content and we'll see how mm-hmm. that goes. So that will then, that's money I've made from contracting that I'm putting back and also the money I've made from POW so far that I'm putting back into POW. That's like an interesting approach because yeah, what I hear from like some people that who creates the content online or develops an app mm-hmm. uh, by themselves, um, I never heard someone saying that they put extra money from their contractual work to there, but defining it as a hobby and then everyone want, everyone's okay spending money on their hobbies, like painting all the creative work. Let's yeah. not call it hobby, but the creative work and mm-hmm. which makes you happy. Mm-hmm. That's That sounded me a really good strategy. Now I'm considering back my own creative work. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is... And now, yeah, it makes me think actually, <laughs> and I'm I'm considering. Okay, why if I fall like if I uh, pull myself back in these kind of situations, maybe I I need to consider that way as well, like giving a give, getting a hand uh, help for uh, some other things that I do like. For example, I like writing. Maybe I can even get some extra support for that. Now I'm considering a lot, actually. Yeah, and if you see, um, I think from we're both in the blogging for dev community. I think Max, yes. what's his name, Max Lynch, I guess his name mm-hmm. is. Um, he got an editor pretty early on, even though he didn't have any income really for what mm-hmm. he was doing. But he realized, okay, I need to be become a better writer. It's something I enjoy. That's a way for me to market whatever I'm going to make. So getting an editor at this point so that I can actually acquire this skill now that I have the time and also while I'm like finding the products I'm going to make, then that will help me down the line. Um, and it's just like a good, like writing is a fun thing for some people. I I'm, I don't enjoy writing. <laughs> That's why I do live streaming. <laughs> but, but like you, you, you have to like find these, you know, these things and it's okay to get help yeah. and it's okay to take classes and courses. and. As if you have the finances, as you were, as we were saying, like I do horseback riding, I probably spent more money on, on you know, classes because it's an expensive hobby um, yeah. there than I have done. Well, maybe not on power if you factor in my hours, but um, but yeah, we feel okay spending money on those things. So uh, as long as as long as you you know don't spend all the money you were supposed to you know live yeah. off of and your family <laughs> needs and all you know be you know be financially good or smart with your money i don't i'm not that old i'm soon 40 i'm in this mood where i'm like i'm old i'm getting old <laughs> no you're not <laughs> but but i i also feel like i am much more uh open to to getting help now i'm also much more open to thinking long term than i have like 10 years ago mm-hmm. i would never like tie myself down to doing something for 10 years but now i'm like 
really excited that I can work on POW for hopefully 10 years. I might change my mind, but I see with POW, there's so many possibilities. I can do so much fun stuff around it. There's like activism, there's education, there's the actual app, there is, I could do merchandise. I mean, there's so much I can do. Like I can see myself building a world around POW and I want to do it slowly. I want to do it kind of consciously. I don't want to burn myself out like within the first year trying to get like massive growth. Um, mm -hmm. and, and also with that, I've learned to kind of manage my energy, I guess it's like a hippie way of talking. When I heard about that in the beginning, I was like, what? <laughs> but, um, you know, sometimes some things just drags, you know, drags your energy, even though it isn't really something that would take a long time, for instance. So in the last couple of years, I've gotten a virtual assistant and she can help me with things that would take me like a day of procrastination and she'll do it in 10 minutes. Uh, and I pay her for those 10 minutes or like I pay her probably a little bit more than for those 10 minutes, but <laughs> it like alleviates me from like going around, like having, you know, feeling bad that I haven't done it or, you know, mm -hmm. spending hours procrastinating on it. Um, so being smart in, in kind of like using, using the money, if you have the money in, in that way, I find very liberating, um, and not thinking that, oh, at some point I'll be like, you know, mature enough to do these things mm -hmm. without procrastinating, which is never going to happen. Uh, it's better to get somebody who kind of enjoys that job and enjoys doing that work and, and does that for a living. And then I can focus on the things that I'm good at. That's a very good strategy. And yeah, within, like, as I said, within these days, I'm also trying to get into the mind. Maybe like right now I became 30, so I'm mm -hmm. uh, a little bit younger than you, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm also maybe uh, I'm doing kind of a planning, not a planning actually, but telling myself that whatever I start right now, I need to, or I want to actually do it for years. Then I don't want to directly jump in front of, um, I don't know the popularity or anything that's not my goal. I just want to I just want to play the game. Mm -hmm. That's nothing. I don't want championships right now for anything. I just want to play the game. That's what I tell to myself in these days. Yeah. Actually. And I see and I see a lot of indie hackers, younger indie hackers often who like they have this thing where they have to go all in. It has to be like full time. Yeah. They have about six months of runway and, you know, they're just going to do this. And within those six months, they're going to be making, you know, back their salary. And for some people mm -hmm. it happens, but for most people it doesn't happen. Like if you actually start looking through the accounts of people, it's often taking them years and years and years of like testing different things. Like I've done so many different side projects and some of them could have gone somewhere, but I realized they would give me the life, a life I wouldn't want. Um, I would need investment, for instance, and I don't want to go down that mm -hmm. route. And then I've stopped those and I've like tested. So, so now when I kind of found POW, I know the way I want to do it and I'm going to do it slower than many people expect from me uh, because I have that contracting work that I can like lean back on. And it, it, in some ways, some people will say that that then I'm not like urgent, like it, would, it will make me less hungry or, or something <laughs> like, you know, that kind of very like the American narrative. But I feel like I do better work when I have that security and I don't kind of because I, I know I'm the kind of person that would burn out. So I am very mm -hmm. mindful of that, that I don't kind of just like, you know, uh, have no money and, and like have to be hungry to do it. Like <laughs> I know. Um, uh, and it depends like on your personality, but I feel that's lost in kind of the, 
to talk when we talk about these things that and all of the you know the tweets and everything where it's like this is the only way to do it and do like me and you'll you know you'll be rich mm-hmm. but yeah. if you start looking behind a lot of these uh, people and their stories their stories don't often align with what they're saying and also you are not in their shoes like there are so many things that you don't know about that person um and and you have to like figure out what is is good for your own life and kind of your own situation and your own risk tolerance and your own strengths and all of those things um that i've learned over the years <laughs> <laughs> I sound like this like hippie lady. I'm so not. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. But, <laughs> but I guess like coming from a very like technical scientific background, I guess I've like mm-hmm. I'm gotten more open to kind of, you know, some self-exploration and realizing your what you you, you know you want yourself and like you, you do you is a saying instead of yeah. trying to like emulate somebody else. Yeah, um, that's like one of the also things that I realized maybe a bit late uh, than I, I burned out last year um, and I took a month of sick leave. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I realized that, yes, that's that's true, that um, I shouldn't be doing or approaching this way. I shouldn't be doing these kind of things. And it it took time. But uh, you you go there at at the end because if you take a look at the people online on the and then all in the hackers in the developers or I don't know creators or other people who got successful, either you see them years of struggle or they are very privileged. Mm-hmm. So like either one of them, there is no the middle ground. Yeah. Um, and but sometimes then, it's both. Like they've struggled, even exactly. though they've had privilege, they haven't managed to do anything <laughs> of their privilege. Yes, <laughs> so many stories. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. When I like when we when we talk when we look at them, then I see that okay, yeah, this is playing the long game. Mm-hmm. This is. I think um, I don't remember where did I read this, but it's maybe in Atomic Habits. I, I'm not sure from James Clear. And it was saying that the the staying in the game or playing the game is actually more important than the winning the game. Because if you just stay in the game and then try to play the game as better than you did before, then you eventually you will win something. Yeah, and, and especially I think if you enjoy yourself along the way, you're exactly. already winning because that's at least my approach a lot it's like as long as my every like i'd rather have really good like everyday life and then i am also mm-hmm. like i need a vacation every now and then to like do something extra special but like if my everyday kind of life is good then you don't need these like extraordinary things happening in the future like you yeah. you your life is good <laughs> then keep on living that life and learning and the great thing about doing what I, I guess you're doing and I'm doing is like we can learn new things all the time and there's always something to learn and there's always something new to explore and if you like that kind of um, exploring and learning then kind of you know you're having the fun and the life you want along the way and there is even there's this famous YouTube video that I now don't of course remember but uh, where this it's this famous YouTuber and then he he manages to like hit all his goals and then he was like and then what? Like he, like <laughs> yeah. it was like it, you know his it wasn't fun anymore. Um, and so he also talks about that, like you know, find something that you think is fun along the way and just keep on doing that instead of like you know 
having some like finite thing and then stop doing it. Um, and it's also interesting if you've listened to the um, software social, I think the podcast is with Michelle Hansen. She also talks about that where people are like, well, you would sell, wouldn't you, if the money is just good enough? And she's like, why would I sell? Like, I love serving my customers. I love working on this product. I love my life. Like, I, why mm -hmm. would I sell even for like, you know, billions of dollars? Because then I would, and she said like, well, then I would have to figure out a new product to make, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, she, her life stream isn't to like lay on a yacht in the Bahamas for mm -hmm. years and years and years, maybe for a week, like we all could probably like a week. But after that, you don't want to be there for the, you want to create, then, you know, you, she wants to stay with her product. So, uh, yeah, just to, to agree with yeah. you, I guess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with all that. So like in, in this process, like, <laughs> because the curious, like I'm more curious on right now that the challenges that you have faced And as an indie developer, right now we are talking about the processes and yeah. like how we are playing the long game, how you are playing the long game and you want mm -hmm. to play the long game. Yeah. But on the side, both in, in POW app and also mm -hmm. in this indie journey, what, what's the biggest challenge that you have faced until now? I think it's hard. I think kind of the hardest part has been to stay the course, the, the like kind of the course that I intuitively knew I wanted at the beginning with POW after learning from my other kind of endeavors. But even so, it's like easy when you read and you get input to kind of be like, oh, that would be smart. Like I can see why that would be smart. And then kind of the strategy shifting a little bit. Um, and then thinking like I should do more, I should do other things. And then kind of second guessing your, your initial strategy, I guess, uh, uh, has been hard. Mm -hmm. So that's happened to me. And then I heard this talk and uh, by um, by the co-founder of Plausible, the marketing mm -hmm. guy, uh, and I was like, "Yes, all of the things he's talking about. That was my plan for POW. When did I forget that? Like, when did I forget that I wanted to be open source? When did I forget that I wanted this to like you know be the long game? I need those kind that kind of content, and I want to go after developers first because those are the people I know." Um, and and then I was like, yeah, I just need to course correct back to my like original plan. <laughs> um, and that's, I think that's a little bit hard when you're coding by yourself and like doing a lot of the things by yourself, I can end up going into these like circles where I'm like, oh, I should do X. No, I should do Y. Now I should do X. No, I should do Y. And it kind of like talk yourself back and forth. Um, and I think uh, the way out of that is getting like talking to other people, you know, have some I'm now in a mastermind where we kind of have to verbalize our goals and it's easier to mm -hmm. kind of stay on course if they're written down, I think, or uh, as I've done with the videos, it's like that's it's helpful to kind of get it out there. And I'm not the kind of person who does that like alone. I don't write like a strategy document for myself, unfortunately. But then being in those kind of groups, I have to be, I'm forced to kind of uh, be specific and verbalize and write it down and then I can like stay the path easier. I guess. Um, so that's a challenge. But also, I'm not that good at talking about challenges because I usually forget what has been challenging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I ask, actually, because... <laughs> then, I, then some people yeah. are like, wasn't that challenging? I'm like, yeah, but we fixed it or we didn't fix it, but I learned something from it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why um, I ask, because we don't go and reflect. So that's that's why I'm more curious. Yeah, and yeah. then No, it's uh, I probably should um, you know, reflect some more uh, at some points. But um, 
but yeah, I think, um, but I don't know if, I don't know if it's the indie hacking that makes it harder. Uh, I think, I mean, there's, I think we have like, we face challenges with ourselves and our mm-hmm. products and our work, you know, no matter what kind of work we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't think it's specific to indie hacking. I guess if, if I was doing indie hacking a hundred percent of the time, you know, the like stress of getting the, the acquisitions, like the growth happening would mm-hmm. be high. But I kind of took that out of the equation by by not doing it that way. I think that would be very stressful for me if I had to like have so and such much money a month by this time. I think that would be hard. Um, but the thing I do find challenging is that I I talk to my customers and they are very happy often, mm-hmm. or they like send me a bug and I fix it and they're very happy. And I think that's amazing. And then I forget to talk to them for a while. And then I kind of convince myself that they secretly hate the product. <laughs> and then I don't talk to them and then I should be talking to them. And I think that's also like, if I had, if we were more people on the team that mm-hmm. were as committed as I, it would be kind of, we might be able to talk ourselves out of that like more easily (laughs) and whenever i say it out loud it feels so stupid but that's exactly what's happening i'm like they secretly hate my product they're just not telling me or Uh, or they love it they love your product maybe yeah they might but i'm not asking them because i I have decided in my head that they secretly hate my product (laughs) (laughs) and and then whenever i talk to them like this one person there was a time zone bug like she was sitting in california and all her entries were happening when she saved they ended up on the day before and then the day before and it all shifted Uh, and I was so embarrassed and I fixed it and I got like the nicest email back it's like oh thank you so much for like fixing this and uh, and I was like whoa like why are you thanking me I should be thanking you (laughs) (laughs) you found the bug yeah uh and but it's it's a little bit sad though that the only often you know and I know that as a like being an indie hacker I've learned to become a much more vocal customer like i will tell people i like their product especially if i know that they're a small company i will like email them and be like oh this was a great update or thank you for the new latest newsletter (laughs) um because i know how it is to be on the other side and i know that people not contact contacting me can be a really good sign like they're using the product it's not giving them any errors but still, I'm like, why are nobody talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> so as a customer myself now, like I'm 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 very vigilant and like being proactive and telling mm-hmm. telling the founders that I enjoy their product and that um and stuff like that because I guess that's that's the part of being in the hacker that is that's harder and you don't have like a big sales team that are out there talking to people mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. I want to move to a bit more uh, your tech stack. Um, <laughs> and I know that you're also on YouTube talking about it. Um, but could you tell us a bit about your tech stack? What do you use for um, developing the Power App and also like for end-to-end encryption if you use anything specific? Mm-hmm. And if you can like briefly um, talk about that would be awesome, actually. I'm really curious. Yeah, so... Um... The Pow app is a Gatsby application. Uh, so I use that because it's a good starter. And also I want to use more of those progressive web application capabilities. And I know that I can mm-hmm. do that with Gatsby. And it was something I knew. 
And together with that, I use something called user base for the backend, which does all the end-to-end encryption for me and uh, user mm. authentication um, and kind of the backend as a service, I guess that's called. Um, and then I use material UI for the UI. <laughs> so I don't have to uh, make everything from scratch, take some of that, you know, analysis, paralysis mm-hmm. that I can't say in English uh, away from me. And then I do... Right now, I guess I'm using ConvertKit for onboarding uh, users, but I'm going to be moving to UserList, which is another um, indie company. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because ConvertKit obviously is not really for kind of um, uh, user mes- like messaging current users, but they were the only ones I found where I could turn off tracking easily. But then I talked to the founders of UserList that that is more geared towards um, messaging between um, application and users uh, and then they implemented a way for me to turn off all tracking which is important to me as a privacy first application I don't want to then track yeah. my users communication <laughs> uh, and also if I start sending out emails with links to you know kind of sensitive subjects I don't want to be know who clicked what link at what time that feels invasive mm-hmm. for me so um, next week or the week after, I will be moving over to UserList, and I will probably do that on stream together with the founder of UserList. Uh, so that oh, will be nice. fun. And then kind of the, the embarrassing part of my tech stack is that I'm using <laughs> Squarespace for the marketing page. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, I'm, oh. it's, it's not that much. <laughs> and then yeah. I forgot I use Fathom privacy-first analytics for my kind mm-hmm. of both website and web app analytics. Do you have any plans for mobile apps? Because I I see this case and I was more curious. So I actually come from a background where we made native apps Mm -hmm. in 2009, 2010. Uh, I just find the whole uh, experience of updating native apps takes so much time, the organizational part of it. Mm-hmm. I know it's gotten a little bit better, but there's like certificates and there's this and there's that and you have to yes. upload. And then, and, and whenever, because I actually maintained a native app for a um, governmental agency for a couple of years. And then I moved over to kind of the Jamstack on my side project. And whenever I had to do anything with the app store, <laughs> I kind of dreaded it. It took like a day because I had to, sometimes I even had to like update my whole computer because I yeah. needed this latest Xcode. So that's a long answer to uh, the short answer is no. Okay. <laughs> My yeah. plan is to stay um, a web app. And I think and hope that that will be more mainstream going forward. If, I, if I'm not correct <laughs> in, in, <laughs> that, um, in, that, uh, in that prediction, then I think in a couple of years it would be, I would look into making kind of a, you know, wrap the web app in Mm -hmm. some way so that it's available on the app store. Because that's actually one of the biggest support issues I do have is that people can't find the app on the app store because it's an app. They think they can, should, you know, they have to go to an app store. And I understand why. Um, So I try to kind of also educate them on why it's a web app. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I have not looked into this, but I also think there's some extra loops you have to jump through. Uh, on the app stores if you're doing encrypted end-to-end encryption yes mm-hmm. so i haven't really so i just kind of pushed that i haven't like i just decided okay. that i won't spend time on that for a while yeah. um yeah and also payment is harder and yes uh, of course yeah. I, i'm an i'm an ios developer and i know 
all the pains. <laughs> <laughs> then you know, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that's that's why I asked actually in the first place. Like, I'm an ex-IOS developer. Like, yeah. for the last maybe it's almost one and a half year, I'm working yeah. on the backend, but still, yeah. uh, my my heart is beating on the IOS a little bit more. Yeah. That's why I was curious more. Yeah. Okay. I, um, uh, you can make some really good apps, but that whole kind of uploading yeah. and certificates and getting, we had to like get the the director of the governmental agency yeah. to like get on there to like sign something because we're releasing <laughs> and it's like, no, come on. We don't like, if we this, don't like that too. So. <laughs> if, if, that was the, if, it was, you know, if this was the jam stack, I'm like push to main and then boom, it's live. It's like, yeah. but five minutes max and then oh okay for this app version it's just going to take us you know seven hours to get it <laughs> <laughs> yeah as, as an ios developer i know that we don't like that either so no one likes it yeah. I, know there, I know now that there are some kind of places where you can do more kind of continuous development also for native yeah. applications so yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you want the short answer i do not have any immediate plans for native applications mostly because i'm the only developer and i need to spend mm. the time on creating the feature that the users need and then I try to educate them on why it's a web app and uh, it's one of the first emails in the onboarding sequence mm -hmm. and when they understand that most of them are fine like I teach them how to save it to their home screen because mm -hmm. what most people are looking for when they're looking for the for for the app in the app store is because they want that square on their yes. screen so as soon as you teach them how to get that square square on there then they're like fine with it not being a native app mm -hmm. uh, but i'm hoping to then add more progressive web application kind of um capabilities so that it's better in offline mode and it's you know those kinds of things but mm -hmm. i'm yeah. also pushing those things a little ahead of me into the future because i want to get the feature set more solid before i introduce you know service workers and those kinds of things because i know that that can kind of mess things up a little bit if you don't do it correctly uh, so I'm keeping yeah. it like as simple as possible yeah. at the moment. So it's staying on the staying focused, basically. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, so we are coming to an end a little bit, and I want to ask you, um, what would be your, let's say, top three advice for for people who are starting from scratch? Do you have anything particularly fine, uh, helpful for them? I would say launch long before you think you're ready and two no free plan people on free plan do need a lot of support <laughs> so <laughs> i i rather have fewer customers on the paid plan um and then three yeah play the long game it's gonna take a lot longer than you think to get traction especially if you don't have if you want to do the indie hacking way and you're you're not a marketing genius, it's gonna take longer than you think. I like the second point though, because I always think that free trials or free versions uh, are really nice, but I totally see the point. So what I do instead is that I have money back guarantee. So for Pow, it's a sixty day money back guarantee because then we you. you you probably have had two full cycles mm -hmm. and I will refund your money. No questions asked. And I've done that quite a few times, but the, the, the people who will convince themselves to pay <laughs> for a product at such an early stage, they are uh, usually uh, better at figuring things out on their own. Like if half finished, not a half, I wouldn't say it's half finished, but like it's, it's got its quirks, you know, <laughs> um, they're, they're better at that. They're usually kind of in the early adopter mentality. 
Um, so they're kind of easier to work with as a customer base. While, um, and I know this, I've talked to several people and I've also made, you know, iPhone apps in, 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 the, mm-hmm. in, in my past. Um, and the cheaper something is, the more, like, the angrier people get in support and the more support they want, which is really weird. But they're, they're, um, I've read this book about, like, purchasing psychology where it actually makes sense because the higher price the purchase is, the more you kind of have to convince yourself it's the correct purchase. So then going into that purchase, you have convinced yourself that the product is something that you need and, and are willing to take a bet on. Mm-hmm. So you, you, then you've kind of con- already convinced yourself it's good. <laughs> but if it's like a dollar, you're like, oh, it's a dollar. I'll just buy this game, you know, this iPhone game. And you'll yeah. see that like the reviews, so many bad reviews because they're still reviewing it as if it would have cost a lot more, <laughs> but they yeah. didn't have to convince themselves. So um, I think that's very important when you're starting out because a lot of people burn out on free trials. Um, and I that's... will probably at some point move into a free trial kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But when I when things are more solid and I got the feature set kind of in place mm-hmm. and I managed to make a full FAQ and all of that and we can like move into more of a aggressive customer acquisition phase, then I think we'll go and have a free trial. But now like it's better to have it paid so that I can focus on creating the product and not supporting people who complain. Well, um, yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Um, so we are at the end and um, for the people who want to reach Benedicta that you will find the links in the description of this Uh, podcast episode and all of the links that uh, her uh, youtube channel like the pov app links and everything you will find in descriptions and i want to thank you benedicta for joining me here because i this was one of the things that i was really curious about being an indie developer and playing the long game and now i have a couple of notes that i need to go and think through <laughs> and see how am i doing or what i want to do and thanks a lot for teaching me many things and showing me a little bit light on the way thanks a lot well thank you for listening it's always nice when somebody wants to listen to your <laughs> like hard-earned <laughs> life lessons or whatever <laughs> so thank you for that Yeah, thanks a lot for joining. And subscribe to my YouTube channel. Ah, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> It makes me happy. Go and subscribe <laughs> to Benedict's YouTube channel. Bye-bye. Bye. If you liked this episode, please follow the show and share the episode with one of your friends, colleagues, or family members who might find it interesting. Until next time, take care. <laughs>